Hello, I'm Brian Byrne, and this is the Daily Cast from Kilcullen Diary, a podcast where we spread our net and see what's out there of interest. It's Wednesday, 14th of April, and the weather's looking like a dry day with sunny spells this morning and late afternoon. There could be some cloud in between. Temperatures should be 11 to 13 degrees in light variable breezes. It will be cool later tonight. Our person of interest today is Anne Sullivan, whose work in teaching deaf and blind child Helen Keller in the US made her famous and an icon for achievement in adversity. Born on April 14th, 1866 in Massachusetts, USA, Anne Sullivan was the oldest child of two immigrants from Ireland, Thomas and Alice Sullivan, who had left this country during the Great Famine. She had a difficult childhood, contracting the eye disease trachoma when she was five and becoming almost blind. Her mother died of TB when she was eight, and her father abandoned Anne and her brother and sister two years later. Anne and her brother were sent to an almshouse, their sister to an aunt. The brother died of TB, and after an investigation into the almshouse for cruelty and sexual perversion, Anne first went to work with nuns in Lowell, Massachusetts, and later to the Perkins School for the Blind in Boston. She did well there, and also had a series of operations which significantly improved her sight. And she graduated in 1886 as the class valedictorian. That same summer, she was recommended as a teacher for the seven-year-old Helen Keller. They connected well, and over the next 49 years, Anne went from teacher to governess for Helen, and then a lifelong companion and friend. When Anne had found a way to teach her pupil words and maths and eventually the Braille system, Helen proved to be very bright and became a public symbol for the school. She ultimately achieved a degree from Radcliffe College. Anne married John Albert Macy in 1905. He moved in with the two women, but the marriage didn't last. They separated in 1914, but he remained living in the house, described as a lodger in the census of 1920. They never officially divorced, and Anne never remarried. Both she and Helen were awarded various honorary awards and degrees, and in the autumn of 1936 Anne died of a coronary thrombosis at the age of 70. She was the first woman to have her ashes interred in the National Cathedral in Washington, and Helen's ashes were placed next to hers when she, in turn, passed away in 1968. Now to our feature item this morning, which is the Kildare West Wicklow Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Established originally as Kildare Animal Welfare by two ladies back in the early 1940s, it eventually affiliated with the SPCA, and some two decades ago took in the West Wicklow area too. The secretary of the organisation is Sally McCaffrey, who came along to help out at a friend's suggestion about 18 years ago, and is still there. In all, there are over a 100 volunteer helpers, as well as others who help with fundraising. I asked Sally McCaffrey what happened when the coronavirus restrictions came about some 13 months ago. Well, we were lucky in the sense that because we're an animal welfare organisation, there were no um, restrictions on staying open. So our shelter could stay open and our volunteers were allowed to travel, you know, to the to the shelter if they were volunteering. 
Um, and then our, unfortunately our charity shop had to close. So for a little while we were a bit worried about lack of funds coming in. Um, but there's still dogs, you know, the, the dog pounds were still taking in dogs. There were still welfare cases. And um, we found there wasn't much um, reduction in the number of animals we were looking after. Um, and but what we have found is a lot more people have been looking for pets. So therefore the rehoming happens a bit quicker than it used to. That was a feature, of course, of lockdown, that people wanted company and uh, this was one way of doing it. Yes, we have to be quite careful, though. We've, we're very careful with our home checking and finding out if people are going back to work or, you know, it's, it's not, we can't guarantee that people will be able to remind all the animals they've taken, but we're hoping so. It's difficult to do that kind of checking, I'm sure, particularly in the current situation. It is because we always used to do a home check by actually going to the home or getting someone in a, in a, you know, someone, another charity to check the home and you could actually sit down and in the home and chat to people. And now it has, although we meet the people, they do have to come to the shelter to meet the dog or the cat. And, you know, we don't go to their homes and we don't always find out as much about them as we'd like. In a typical year, the organisation would handle up to 300 dogs and provide services for around 600 cats, mainly feral ones. Has there been an increase in the need for its services because of lockdowns? Not very much. We've had one or two dogs come into our care because the owners um, have either been ill or they um, have taken on an animal and realised they aren't able to manage it. Um, other rescues I know have had quite a few people um, dumping, if that's the right word, animals on them, saying they can't cope during this COVID times. But we we haven't found that to be the case. We've had a couple of puppies come into us who were adopted by people working at home, not realising that if they were working at home, you know, eight hours working at home, you know, a little puppy was not the best of companions because they need an awful lot of care and attention. One or two puppies have come in, but they're very easily rehomed. So. As a charity that depends on fundraising events and also the sales at its charity shop in Newbridge, the restrictions on such activities could have created a real funding problem. Yes, we've, um, well, we were very worried to begin with because you know we, we have several major fundraisers through the year. We were just lucky last summer there was a window of, of opportunity where we could hold two big fundraisers at the shelter when people were allowed to, um, we did other outdoor events, we were allowed to hold those. And the other thing we've done, because our charity shop is closed, we were, were selling an awful lot of our stuff online. We have online auctions on a regular basis and we've been people have been clearing out their, their homes as you can imagine so we've had a huge number of donations of things which we can then sell and get money in that way and it's amazing how many people have just slipped us a 50 euro or 100 euro or you know bought us dog food um so we haven't we're not struggling financially but we are not um yeah and especially now we you know we're still trying to get a new shelter and we will need a major fundraiser again when when we get somewhere 
Because their existing shelter will have to be vacated in October, as it doesn't have planning permission for such use, the KWWSPCA has been searching for a new site for some time, but with no success so far. It depends a bit on location, Mum, and our worry is that we can't be tuned close to to, to neighbours, so we need somewhere where we can have enough space around us, even if we don't own it, where we wouldn't be worrying neighbours. The actual ground area we need will be about one or two acres if there's plenty of areas for walking the dogs, near the canal or near woodlands or somewhere like that. But ideally, we would, we would like somewhere like six, seven, eight acres where we could have enough room to be completely self-contained and not have to go into any public area with our animals. If we take it that the organisation will eventually find land and establish a new shelter, where does Sally see the overall needs in the future? I think we probably need to expand uh, the education side of our our society. We do go into schools, or we did before the pandemic, on a regular basis, and schools used to come out and visit us. But I think that's where we just need to get more people aware of... um, animal welfare and a lot of our cases our cruelty cases are not because people are cruel it's because people don't realize that um the animal needs more than what they're giving them and quite often just a conversation or a bit of example of what they should be doing the whole problem is solved and so i think education is is probably where we ought to be what kind of reception do you get from children when you go into the schools Oh, super reception, because nearly nearly everyone we find has a pet of some sort, even though it might only be a hamster or, you know, a lizard or something. But um, And they are very, very interested. And we get a lot of financial support from schools in the sense that the, the youngsters will hold a, a baking day or a no-school uniform day or go out on a cycle trip and raise money. So the more there is a lot of good reception in, in schools, and at all ages, even the little ones. And it's especially, you know, if you take in a couple of rescue dogs or a couple of kittens that we've got, you know, it's amazing the effect it has on people. When some 18 years ago somebody asked Sally McCaffrey to come in to give a hand, she probably wasn't expecting to be still involved today. What's kept her there? <laughs> That's, well, it's very rewarding. I mean, when you think, you know, over 300 well, this year, I think we've got we're up to about 80 dogs already this year, um, have been come in and gone out to good homes. Very rewarding. Um, and we get a lot of people, you know, being very thankful for helping them. Um, and I suppose it's just, you get used to doing something that you enjoy. And I mean, obviously, age-wise, I'm not as, as fit as I used to be, so I wouldn't be doing quite as much of the physical work as I used to, but... Uh, I'm still able to do the office work. Sally McCaffrey of the Kildare West Wicklow SPCA. Now taking a couple of stories from our local papers. Included in the Leinster Leaders offerings this week is a full feature on Newbridge-based World War II veteran Joe Woods, who celebrated his 100th birthday last week. A group of friends made a socially distanced visit to his home and gave him a cake to celebrate. He says he has never been happier. Happy too is Ruby Marr, also from Newbridge, featured in the Kildare Nationalist penning a letter to US President Joe Biden. 
The 12-year-old has written a song, Lullaby for the World, and has sent a copy to President Biden in answer to his call for young people around the globe to get involved in Earth Day 2021, which is on the 22nd of April. Looking to today's national stories, RTE leads off with the leaders of the three government parties set to meet the National Vaccination Task Force this morning to discuss adjustments to the vaccination plan in the light of recent developments with the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. The Irish Times puts that as a scramble to fix problems with both the vaccination and the mandatory quarantine programmes. The Independent headlines up to 100,000 to miss out on vaccinations this week. The Examiner has the government battling to get the vaccine programme back on track. Oh, we really do need a distraction. So, a thought for the day. A smile is the happiness you'll find right under your nose. And for the issue of the day from a listener who writes in that those who walk dogs without poo bags and fail to clean up are guilty of not caring for their neighbours. What's almost worse, he says, is why people take the time to buy the bags and bag the waste and then think it's okay to throw it into a hedge or onto the grass or a pathway. What do you think? Text or message to 086 8267 104 and get it off your mind, get it on the cast. Finally, our condolences to the family and friends of Gertie Sheehan of Bishop Rogan Park. She passed away peacefully in her 91st year in the kind and compassionate care of the staff at Willowbrook Nursing Home. She is sadly missed by her daughters Geraldine Dan and Audrey Mitchell and her extended family. Gertrude's funeral is tomorrow at 9.30am in the parish church, followed by burial in St. Conlet's Cemetery in Newbridge. It is a private funeral. May she rest in peace. You've been listening to The Daily Cast on Gilcullen Diary. I'm Brian Byrne. If you have anything on your mind that you want to share, text it to 086 826 And in the meantime, thank you for listening.